Of the 27 million American men who were eligible for the draft during the Vietnam War, more than half were deferred, exempted, or disqualified. Draft evasion, or draft dodging, was a common practice that was widely encouraged and practiced by the U.S. counterculture at the time. Even with the wide variety of draft dodging techniques ranging from ruptured spleens, poor eyesight, flat feet, asthma, to Canadian immigration, some men were unable to escape the draft. Even in the unfortunate scenario that one was unable to escape the draft entirely, there was the bizarre draft evasion method known as enlisting to evade. Men would enlist into military forces that were unlikely to see actual combat and thus avoid the actual war. This technique may have been employed by Credence Clearwater Revival frontman John Fogarty, who joined the National Guard in 1966. Military service did not suit the musician, who spoke of how he would often, quote, become delirious and go into a trance, end quote, on the job. When not completely losing his mind, Fogarty would write titles for songs in his notebook. One title from Fogarty's notebook had a simple story about a woman who works for rich people attached to it. Quote, she gets off the bus every morning and goes to work and holds their lives together. Then she has to go home, explained Fogarty. This story was eventually combined with two other titles in Fogarty's notebook. These titles were inspired by the TV show Maverick and a Will Rogers movie. Perhaps the biggest inspiration, though, for what would become a number two hit on the Billboard Hot 100 and one of CCR's signature songs was Fogarty's Honorable Discharge in 1968. Quote, I'd been trying to get out of the army, and on the steps of my apartment house sat a diploma-sized letter from the government. It sat there for a couple days right next to my door. One day, I saw the envelope and bent down to look at it, noticing it said, John Fogarty. I went to the house, opened the thing up, and saw that it was my honorable discharge from the army. I was finally out. This was 1968, and people were still dying. I was so happy, I ran out in my little patch of lawn and turned cartwheels. Then I went into my house, picked up my guitar, and started strumming. Left a good job in the city, and then several good lines came out of me immediately. I had the chord changes, the minor chord, and by the time I hit rolling, rolling, rolling on the river, I knew I had written my best song. It vibrated inside me. When we rehearsed it, I felt like Cole Porter, said Fogarty. That's right, we're talking Proud Mary by Credence Clearwater Revival on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that compares famous songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is happy to give. I'm your host, as always, The Snake, joined by my nice and rough co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. What's going on? Oh, not a whole lot's going on here, you know, it's normal normal life stuff, and uh, well, there's parties happening this weekend, not like there's events happening in yes, I've heard of these. my house. In your house? Yeah, that other people are doing so i'm just kind of gonna be hanging out in the background not attending or maybe taking some food we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes that's exciting i guess yeah (laughs) yeah um sick alex so you're adjacent to parties yeah uh the weather is beautiful yeah oh yeah absolutely very nice it's not it's not smoky anymore or it's a little smoky. The, the smoke thing, the smoke forecast does not know what's happening. Right. It's constantly I like, yeah, it'll it. probably get a little smokier, and then it just doesn't, and the, they don't seem to be updating the <laughs> forecast. Right. It's kind of good just in once summertime. Once the first like wildfire breaks out, it's like, yeah, it might get smoky again. Probably it will, but today, I don't know. Yeah, oh, I Maybe. Know. Yeah. But, you know, nothing wrong with a little mesquite in the air. Well, uh, well, maybe a little bit, but uh, it, 
at first. Um, what's going on? Uh, what's going on out there? Oh, you know, living living life in paradise here. Beautiful, the sunny shores of Canada, Vancouver. It's actually been really sunny out here. Been catching the sun. You know, working for the man every night and day. Turn and churn. I watched the CCR documentary that's on Netflix. Oh, there's one on there. Yeah, narrated by none other than Jeff Bridges. Oh, <laughs> the dude himself. Uh, uh not okay. bad. Not a bad little doc. It's also like part concert film because it kind of covers their journey from starting to a a big show they do at the Royal Albert Hall in London mm. in 1970. Like it's either the day of or shortly after the Beatles break up. Yeah, because they're like kind of just right after that that they really explode. Yeah, well, because they had a few issues, like two of their band members being drafted, which kind of slowed them down. Right. And then also just not having, like, getting any traction. Because in 68, while he's still in, while Fogarty and uh, the, the drummer, Doug Clifford, I believe is his name, are both doing military service, they release their first album, Green's Clearwater Revival. Mm-hmm. And Suzy Q gets traction off of that, hits number 11 on the charts, but that's about it. Suzy Q's a cover, so nobody really cared that much. They're like, hey, this is neat. And then, you know, he, John Fogarty is disassociating at work all the time. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he's just, like, zoning out a bit. I don't know. It's, it sounds like he's having a bad time. Yeah. From my understanding. Can't and blame what I understand of his character and, and the songs he's wrote, like this unfortunate son, clearly not a man who, who approves of military military service. service? Yeah. yeah. Not pro military. Um, but this is the second week in the row. We're talking about draft dodging weirdly enough. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're just picking songs from uh, the right era. I guess where that yeah, was very right relevant. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex, you a big CCR head, you know, it comes and goes. Uh, but whenever I do decide to listen to them, it's always a good time. You know, it's just, I always forget how much I like these songs. And then They're I listen really to them like, oh, damn, what was, I've been sleeping on this again. And it just happens over and over again. But yeah, I do like CCR. Yeah, it's one of the, when I hear one song, I'm like, okay, I gotta go listen to 10 more. Yeah. <laughs> And they're good. It's some good songs. I, I really only or mostly familiar with, you know, the greatest hits. Right, the anthology. The anthology, the whatever, but like, yeah, it's some good stuff. It's good. So you're not familiar with Bayou Country, this this album? No, I don't really know the albums. I kind of know the names just in passing, but I don't know what's right. on each one. I'm like, okay. Cosmos Factory? That's a cool name. Is that what it's Cosmos called? Cosmos Factory. Is that the one that has uh, Ramble Tamble and Ooby Doobie on it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, so like cool names, great names. Uh, but um, but they, I don't know the got a track called "Keep On Chugin." <laughs> yeah, keep on, keep on, keep on. Chugin, <laughs> Whatever maybe. that is, I think it's like chugging. So this is uh, this and this also I found in my research this week. CCR kind of connects to Led Zeppelin in the sense that it's like, what if there was a band inspired by American music that didn't just steal music? <laughs> but was actually just inspired because you see a lot of the same like inspiration is like Muddy Waters sure. and sure. Uh, Howlin' Wolf, who is apparently responsible for some of the pronunciation of uh, and, and John Fogarty's vocals on this with Toynan and Boynan. Would make sense. And so you see here a man inspired by that music without just being like, well, I'll lift the lyrics, the chorus, the riff, and. The <laughs> 
We'll do, we'll do the drums different. Yeah. We'll do the drums different. That's, that's how we do it. So yeah, we've been really like 60s and 70s focused, and so some of, some of these pieces are really coming together, I found, uh, this week. Yeah, it's interesting. And I mean, they're definitely very inspired by that, um, by like, a, you know, obviously American music, but like kind of the country music side and the blues side and the rock and roll side. And- yeah, it's crazy because we've talked about them before. We've talked about some of their covers they've done, and we've talked about how they have this very distinct like American South sound to them but they are from california yeah where they're kind of like and they sing about like the bayou and Mm -hmm. yeah the american country which is really the other side of the country (laughs) yeah it's completely foreign to them like uh, he was working at the National Guard at the time. Like he, he's writing about the Mississippi River in this song. He's never fucking been there. Yeah, he's like in San Francisco or whatever. Yeah, he's the San Fran man. And so to have that, like they've never set set foot there and to write songs that not only clearly evoke that, but are like accepted by people from that area as being like authentic. <laughs> I think is quite impressive. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They're they're yeah, they're such a strange group for that, but it's weird that they made it work. Yeah. But they did it and uh the Proud Mary is like the the flagship CCR song. It was a song that I was surprised when I first found out many years ago that it was a CCR track. Yeah, cuz it it sounds like like you hear a cover and you're like, "Oh yeah, this it's probably the original, and CCR just covered it, of course. Like, why, why would CCR write a song about a, a riverboat? Yeah. And yet, but they did. The guys. They're the guys. John Fogarty, he's out here. He's writing. Um, Alex, is this the best CCR song, though, in your, your hot opinion? Oh, I don't know, man. Um, it's got to be Ubi Doobie, right? It's got to be Ubi Doobie. Oh, what is the one I like? Um... I don't even remember what it's called now. There's a lot of good CCR songs. I, I, I don't want to pick a favorite, songs. you know? They got... I guess, I'm just, like, looking at all these CCR songs. I'm like, yeah, I like all these. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, looking good out... Stuff. I really like Looking Out My Back Door. Looking Out My Back Door is, I think, a, a front runner for yeah. me. But, I mean, I'm just looking at Top Ten, and it's like, have you ever seen The Rain? Yeah. A+. Plus. Yeah. Fortune Sun. Bad Moon Rising. Up Around the Band. This one, obviously. Down on the Corner. Down Who on the Corner. the Rain? Like, yeah, okay. All right. Green River? I don't know that one as well. No, I don't. I know Lodi, which I think is... Oh, I like that song, too. Fucking, fucking A, man. Lodi crushes. Um, stuck in Lodi again? Stuck in Lodi again. Yeah. Fuck, um, yeah. Songs about fucking up and being in a place you don't want to be. Like Love stuck, that shit. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's just, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, um, and I believe like after this, they went on to become like very very successful, right? That's correct. Yes. Uh, which I know I've heard comparisons at the time that, and this topic has come up before talking about this time period, but sort of just post Beatles and even years afterwards, there was a lot of talk about who the next Beatles would be, you know, right. who would have that sort of cultural impact uh, on like popular music. And they were one candidate for possible next Beatledom. Right. Because yeah, of, they of were the just so insanely popular. On that documentary I watched, they were like, they were compared to the Beatles a lot at the time. They even played on the Ed Sullivan show. Like, in color, baby, because that's what you could do in 1960. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah, they do they do bear a lot of like comparison to the Beatles, and yeah, that there's always that idea. It seems to be because even with Bob Dylan, it was like mm, these are the new Dylans. It's like oh yeah, oh, they're just singer songwriters. It's like no 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 no, they're <laughs> they're specifically like Bob Dylan, like okay. this one previous popular ideal. Yeah. And we, you get it today, too, where it's like, Greta Van Fleet is the new Led Zeppelin. You're like, I guess. Yeah, okay. Maybe they're just the new Rush. Yeah, maybe, honestly. <laughs> Who can say? Who can say? But I can say this, Alex. This is a song about leaving a good job in the city. It is. Um, And it goes like this. Left a good job in the city, working for the man every night and day, and I never lost one minute of sleep and worrying about the way things might have been. Yeah, I mean the this you kind of talked about the story already, but really it's it's that, you know. <laughs> so he, he he leaves his his city job and he goes out to the presumably the country. Yes. Um to do like honest work, right? Like I assume talking about working for the man is specifically here the government. Um yeah, for uh, Fogarty, for sure, like yeah. literally, is working for the government. Obviously, you could frame it as like larger corporations and stuff. Yeah, but like it really is drawing this line between the sort of. I mean, it's not saying urban and rural, but it is this idea of like the the maybe urban environment where it's more government uh, controlled or or corporate or whatever. Uh, leave that hustle and bustle behind to do, yeah, like honest, like blue collar work for other honest, hard working people. Working kind of blue thing. collar people, yeah. It's this rebirth into true Americana. Yeah, it's because uh, he and so like it's not autobiographical because one, obviously, he never went on a riverboat in Mississippi. Two, right. it seems pretty clear to me he hated his fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> But he has, and that's apparently that's why they called their studio uh, the factory, is to like reinforce on a level their connection to the working class. CCR mm. was like, we are a, a band of the working class people, and so we write working class songs, and we we go to the factory too, brother. We just make music there. Yeah, it's just an art factory. <laughs> yeah, um, and so that's you get this this kind of so you get this idea of like a kind of basic your average person they worked for the man every night and they didn't question it it was a good job they had we pre- i presume that's more because just like society told them it was good than necessarily them enjoying it they're like i'm told this is good because it it paid my right, bills it's good. And- yeah because it's like probably stable and pays well you know yeah um maybe not too stressful kind of thing but or but maybe the other stressors because obviously he left it to for this yeah. perhaps slower or at least more honest way of life and then is saying but and that and like i don't regret leaving no and we do eventually get a like kind of a concept of their negative opinion of the city but we only see that later when he's been on the boat for some time mm-hmm but yeah, he never questioned his way of life before, and then he gets on this boat for what reasons? Yeah, what sequence of events leads to, to boarding the Proud Mary, we don't know. Yeah, but he's like, he's drifting around, right? Literally yeah. on the boat, but like, he's a drifter. He's doing s- small jobs, and th- that's going to come into it soon enough. That's going to come so- soon enough, yeah. And I think, I'm, I think those small jobs are maybe prior to getting on the boat, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, cause big wheel keep on turning, proud Mary keep on burning, rolling, rolling, rolling on the river. Yeah. I mean, he's describing the, 
I guess there's two. Like he's describing literally the boat moving, of course. And yeah. He's, he's the boat is the means of moving up and down the river, but also just the motion in general, which is him, right? Because he's yes. he's constantly moving. He's moving. Life perhaps is moving, and he. It would be life on the road if the road wasn't made of water. So water, it's life right. on the river. So it's life on the river, rolling on the river. Yeah, he's kind of he's he's moving with the changes. It's it's a refrain, is what they call it here, and I think that is appropriate because it's just like it just reminds you about where that what like what's all taking place here it's a boat on the river baby yeah and i'm trying to think like this i don't know if they would have done any major touring at this point i didn't think so but possibly because mm-hmm. like i said there's a parallel to life on the road but it's just right now putting it in this other context yeah but you gotta remember this thing came out like yeah he had just they got were out performing away shows Park, i think right? in like in san fran they were doing shows but they weren't really touring yeah so you get that. We're rolling on the river. Boom. Verse two. Cleaned a lot of plates in Memphis. Pumped a lot of pain down in New Orleans. But I never saw the good side of the city till I hitched a ride on a riverboat queen. All right. So first we got to talk. We got to talk about pumped a lot of pain. Here. Yeah, we got to talk about pain. Uh, talk about pain and pain accessories. Yes, exactly. So pain <laughs> is um, we I'm presuming short for propane. That's what Genius said. I, I can't think of what else it would be. A window so pane? So people online get a little pay- crazy pump. about this. Because apparently in 1969, the okay. standard um, fuel at at your, your, your local gas station was not propane. It was octane. Okay. So when we come to you know Tina Turner's version, we hear tane. Yeah, I don't know exactly. Because I know, like, I used... To- or my family, when I was growing up, we had a motorhome and we would that we'd take out camping, and it yeah. like ran on. I think it ran on propane, or like some of its functionality did. So like it had right. a propane tank, and I think also like a regular like gas tank. I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure, but the, like the, we used to use it more, right? And now we just use it in like barbecues, right? So the like, and so people were like, "Well, he he must be saying tain here, which he's not. He's very clearly saying pain if you listen." Yeah, and then they say like, "Well, maybe it's pain." And he's and somebody. Somebody has suggested that pumping a lot of pain refers to shooting a bunch of heroin, <laughs> which uh, I think is bananas. That, like, that would come out of fucking nowhere. Nowhere, because he's clear again. He's like setting up this working man blue car. Like, oh, I worked some some small time jobs. Like, that's very clearly the purpose of this verse. Yeah. So to be like, yeah, you know, I was a dishwasher in Memphis, and I just shot up a ton of heroin in New Orleans. <laughs> Like as a job, what do you what do you mean? Yeah, it doesn't really fit with the. Yeah, it's got to be a job, right? He's describing jobs he's done. Yeah, so I think there's there's two roads we can go down here, maybe three. So I think on a basic level, pumped a lot of pain sounds better than pumped a lot of tain. Yeah. Um, going another step, we're again talking about a man who hasn't been to the south. Maybe propane sounds more southern than octane. Maybe. And here's another thing. Mm-hmm. Even if propane wasn't the standard, like they would have still had it, right? They would have still had it. Like you could still <laughs> you could still pump pain even if even if most people weren't using that, right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Right? I don't like, know. I don't know how long propane's been around for, but Exactly. That's point three, which is kind of like a culmination. It's like 
John Fogarty isn't a documentarian. He's yeah. not, not. This isn't a historical article of a thing he actually did. If pumped a lot of pain sounds better, yeah. And he, propane was around. Yeah. Even if it wasn't around, he could just be wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's he's not like flawless. <laughs> but people's like commitment to like it either has to be like, octane it or make heroin. Sense. Like, like, yeah, he could have just like not known. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It was 1968 when he wrote this. He, yeah, he couldn't look up the propane Wikipedia article like I just did. Yeah. To find out that it was discovered in 1857. Like, it just... Yeah, he didn't have that info on hand. <laughs> Let it be, everyone. That's... Anyway, so... But... <laughs> it's probably propane. It's probably propane. Um, um, and it's a great sound in London. And I'm the point is... Fine. Yeah, he's... He's doing, like, fairly menial tasks, but, like, labor. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so he cleaned plates. He was a dishwasher. He was a gas station attendant. Yeah. But he never... So he's... I think what he's saying here to me is... So that was I've, before he hit the river. Yes, because he's like, well, I've been to many cities, and I've done many jobs in these cities, but I never saw the good side of the city till I hitched a ride on a riverboat queen. Which is, I think, kind of like a cheeky way of saying the best part of the city is seeing it from a distance. Because it maybe it looks pretty, but also you're <laughs> not fucking in it. You're, you're out. Yeah, I, get, I guess so. Because, so, yeah, then you're away from the city. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. I mean, the, the way I heard it, um, mm-hmm. which doesn't fully make sense necessarily because of the butt, um, but like was just that that's where he met the people that he liked. He, right, the good again, side of the city was the people, on the road like the dock workers or whatever. Even, But he's already theoretically working with honest people, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it is a weird one because it's like that could make sense in that like both of the jobs he describes are really still like city central jobs. You're feeding people. And city folk in a restaurant, and you're cleaning their plates. Right, and I guess so like Memphis and New Orleans, cities. yeah, cities, and you're you're pumping gas to these people. And the good side of the city is the side you see when you're leaving, and then go to the rural place. Yeah, yeah and, and if, I guess and that, if that you're like, sense. and if you're going, like maybe you're right. There is like a docking scenario here where it's like all the people you meet in the city at the docks are are river people, right? right. They're like, oh yeah, what's up here? We'll. We'll yeah, do our river thing out here. I wasn't really, even though I was thinking urban rural, when he said city, I wasn't differentiating between like city and town mm. or something. So like maybe, yeah, that's it. He's he's he sees the, the good side of the cities when you leave it, and then the good stuff is the people you meet outside of the city. Yeah. It's it's the fringe people here, man. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that's a pretty like that's yeah, pretty classic like working class uh mythology of like real good people are out on the fringes here doing honest work yeah uh big wheel keep on turning proud mary keep on burning rolling 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 on the river uh if you come down to the river bet you're gonna find some people who live it's crazy you don't have to worry because you have no money people on the river are happy to give yeah, I do think, and I see this in the genius annotation now, but I swear I didn't look at this before. I mean, sure. pretty simple interpretation of the idea of finding people who live is, like, living real life versus, like, what you might find in the city, which is people sort of droning through every day. Right. And perhaps even, you know, the con- misconception might be that you have to live in a city to live well. 
to to be like quote wealthy or rich, like have nice things, have right. food, have and so he's like, you're gonna find people on the river who are living comfortable lives or like enjoyable lives, good lives, and they're not in the city. But also, yeah, the the real again pulling to that urban rural myth, the real people are out here in the in in the far reaches of society. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing was like at the time period there was pretty significant urbanization in the United States, right? Right. I mean, I think it was a few decades on from, like, the really major urbanization, but it was still probably, like, you know, even now it's kind of still happening, but yeah. it had to have been more of a topic, right? Yeah, um, it was probably, you know. Jethro Tull was writing, uh... <laughs> shit, what is the name of the song? <laughs> uh, with the train, Locomotive Breath. Locomotive Breath. <laughs> About population. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the point is, like, I forget what my point was. Um, yeah, that there was, there was your urbanization. Um, so this kind of like pushed. Right, that the idea that everyone's got to go to the city was like, well, maybe not. Yeah, he's and like, that's maybe still there kind is of another a, way. a topic of conversation, right? Because oh, yeah. there are a lot of valuable uh, things that non-urban centers provide society. Exactly, and. Yeah. Uh, there can be a tendency to ignore that sort of stuff because there's so many people concentrated in cities. That's right. It seems like everything happens in the cities, but hey, maybe not. Yeah. We still need um, other areas to do stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of world out there, man. Yeah. A lot of world. Um, and these people, they're good. They're good-natured people. You don't have to worry because you have no money. People on the river are happy to give. Right, and that's his story. He's basically just drifting. He. Seems to be on this boat without a ticket of any sort. Like, he's he's hitching a ride. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what the setup for that would be. Like, do you normally need to pay a lot to be on a riverboat? Is he, like, hiding? I, there doesn't seem to be an away? air of, like, fear. I imagine, well, he says, you don't have to worry because you have no money. People on the river are happy to give. I imagine they were like, hey, you want to come on the boat? He's like, yeah. Like, can you work? He's like, yeah, I, I used to pump gas. Like, that's awesome, dude. Was it propane or octane? He's like, don't talk to me about that. <laughs> like, I don't, don't want to talk about it. I do not want to have this conversation. In the, the propane-octane wars. <laughs> and so, yeah, I imagine it is, like, there's a free exchange of labor and goods, and maybe there is money that trade. Like, it's much easier than life in the city where you either have money or you fuck off. Yeah, this is very, like, probably uh, the FBI would investigate you for saying things like this, because it sounds like a little bit communist. It's it definitely is. There's a bit of a pinko air around yeah. this. <laughs> so, uh, there you go, yeah. Yeah, so um, a biographer talks about how this, uh, uh, quote, this is Thomas Kitts, who says, The river in Fogarty, and traditionally in literature and song, is a place holding biblical and epical implications. Indeed, the river in Proud Mary offers not only escape, but also rebirth to the singer. And I think that kind of summarizes oh, I didn't what think goes on here. The, like, baptism angle. Yeah, 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 yeah. The real, like, biblical stuff. Yeah, cool. But yeah, there you go. He writes a like yeah, a kind of gospel folk blues song. That makes you think like it's older than it is, even though it's, you know, fairly old for a pop song. That's yeah, for sure. 
It was crazy though. I was watching the documentary and the bassist uh, Stu 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 Cook. Yeah, I was like, people are taking rock and roll serious, man. You know, it's been around fifteen years. I was like, fifteen years. (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to forget too. It's something that has come up on the show, but it's like rock and roll is kind of new. You know, people talk about the death or continued life of rock and roll, and nowadays it's like, well, of course, it's existed forever. It's going to go on for longer. Uh, but it was not an inevitability back then. No, it was, uh, it's like a little, little tiny plant people were tending to. Yeah, like Skiffle didn't really last. No. Could have been another Skiffle. Can you imagine Skiffle being the big one? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no, I can't. I mean, kind of. It's probably similar to if anything else that did get, get big, but it would be kind of funny. Yeah. If you knew both perspectives. It would be a bit funny. But hey, that's what the song's about. That's what the lyrics go like. Let's talk about what this sounds like. Which is uh like Beethoven's blues, fifth. Man. Beethoven's fifth, apparently. There was no uh, <laughs> citation for that right. quote. But um, apparently Fogarty was a big fan of Beethoven's fifth symphony, which inspires the first two chords here. Which is like it doesn't sound like it at all. It doesn't sound no. like ba 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 ba. I guess a little bit. A little bit. But um, I would never in a million years have thought of that. Yeah, I'd have never pieced the two together. Uh, yeah, but um, it's, it's really just yeah. that, that strumming. And, and it, the strumming changes, but like going between a couple chords and strumming in that way, in this like really smooth fashion, is pretty much underlying the entire song. Yeah, it has the musical cadence of a of a, like a riverboat. It's chugging along, but it's not like it's chugging. It's chugging. It keeps on chugging, but it's not like it's not hammering on the gas there. It's going at a just a steady pace, just an easy roll. Yeah, were those steamships, or maybe they were at some point? Like, um, I'm picturing the riverboats were. I want to say like coal burning or something, weren't they? So they got the big wheels. They're chugging yeah, for sure. Big paddle boats. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. That might have been steam. I mean, steam. The coal burns, heats the water, turns into steam. The water turns into steam. It's all energy, baby. That's what they keep telling me. It's all water and it's all heat. It's all water and heat. Yeah. Um. um yes. Anyway. Anyway. No. Yeah. It, it does. And and the like smoothness and creates this like laid back atmosphere that really fits. Uh, with the song's topics, you know? Yeah. It's this simple, and as we keep saying, honest, <laughs> but definitely simple life. Honest, clean, wholesome, wholesome. pure. We're just cleanly burning this coal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's this big fucking yeah. smog. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fine. Come river life, so much cleaner, so much simpler. It's a better way of living, brother. Smell the coal gas. Although I don't think it's coal gas. I think it's, I don't know. Whatever. Coal gas is like from, like when you're mining coal. There's two kinds of gas, brother. It's either propane or octane. Propane or octane. Pick one. Uh, Anything else is, I don't know, heresy? That's right. It's just another casualty in the Tane War. (laughs) Tane War. (laughs) Ah, tame. Um, what else um, is happening in this What song? else is happening? First, I want to talk about um, the recording process for this. Yeah. Because as we know, eventually CCR breaks up. 
Yeah, it does not take very long. It does not take long. They split up in 1972. And part of that is due largely to John Fogarty being a bit of a control freak, it seems yeah, like. Yeah. So they, they recorded this song, they laid down the tracks, and then Fogarty wasn't happy with the harmony vocals, so he recorded them himself and overdubbed that on the track. He also did some overdubs with a couple other instruments and things. So he basically treated CCR as like a demo group, which <laughs> he then redid it, all himself. redid it. Yeah. That's, I mean, I didn't know that story, but I'd always heard that his, like, early, at least his early solo stuff was, like, all just him in a studio. Yeah, I believe that. So, not too surprised. And he also kicked them out when they were doing, like, uh, actual, like, mixing and editing. Once they recorded, he's like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's unfortunate. It does seem like there was a lot of that sort of conflict. In the yeah, group. especially uh, unfortunate because of the. Uh, I mean, we've talked about a few members already, but I don't think Tom Fogarty has come up. Yeah, elder brother Tom Fogarty. Yeah. So there's family in this band, and uh, they uh, did not get along. And I think they even had like a long, like lawsuit going on. I think it was those two, and just like they didn't. They didn't interact much okay. for many years. That makes sense. Well, Tom Fogarty was the first to leave the band. Yeah. And then the group splits up with John Fogarty. Also interesting, because they used to be called Tom Fogarty and the Blue Velvets. Right. So it's kind of interesting that John Fogarty kind of takes over, and I wonder if there's a bit of resentment there on Tom's part, where he's like, I used to be the name on the fucking band. Probably. The, I mean, the other thing I always heard was what was it the other band members were saying like oh we want to contribute more material mm-hmm. and then john fogarty was basically like all right you should you need to contribute like this many this many things and they were like that's too much <laughs> <laughs> or something like that right so it was unrealistic expectations on on john's part yeah it's there was a lot of conflict it wasn't it wasn't a great environment, but they made some no. pretty good songs. They made a fucking ton of hits in their in their short time together. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about the two chords this opens with. We have. And they, it's you know, it's it's pretty easy breezy. This song. It you is get pretty just easy that, breezy. The amount, that, the like, amount of attack that is not on the guitar <laughs> strumming is impressive. Like it's so smooth. Yeah, it's yeah, it blends right into that back there. The bass is easy, even when it does little bits of groove, like it kind of leads you into the refrain. It's like boom, 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 boom. Yeah, like they're all kind of following the same pattern and like playing along together, but not yeah. in a way that like makes it really emphasized or anything. Just in a way that makes everything kind of blend. Yeah, it's like a very tame song. Drums are simple. Everything's simple, easy, just like life on the damn river here. Just like life on the river. And then, I mean, it changes up a little bit, right? Yeah. The chords, but then we just get into uh, the verse, and it's John Fogarty's singing. It's John Fogarty's voice. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about his voice? Let's talk about Big Wheel Keep on Toynin. Toynin. Mary Keep on Boynin. <laughs> yeah, it made it difficult to know the words to this song. I mean, I didn't know it was Pump Pain until. You know, this week. Um, yeah, I didn't know that There either. was some ambiguity over if the big wheel was turning or, or what. Or toining. Or toining. Or boining. Or boining. Um, yeah, weird choices, I think. 
to this day, but he's got a unique quality to his voice, and I think it it, it shines on pretty much every CCR song. He's got yeah, a good voice. That's I feel like a big part of what it makes it sound authentic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really understand why, but he's really got like the right voice for this like southern rock thing. Yeah, um, it's, I think yeah. he is just a big fucking nerd for <laughs> like music. And so he came with his, he's like, if I want to sound like the guys I'm listening to, if I want to sound like Muddy Waters and like Booker T and the MGs and all these, he's like, this is Howlin' Wolf. He's like, this is what they sound like. So he is just like a white dude pretending to be black people to an extent. It's working out for him. And it worked out for him. There was a quote, they they interview like just a like black person on the street in the <laughs> CCR documentary and he just talks about it. He's like, me and my old lady were listening to the radio and we heard these guys and like, they're for real. And like, <laughs> he just talks about how like CCR is legitimate e- even though they are like white dudes like attempting black music. That's fun. That's <laughs> it, it was fun. It was very, he, he used all sorts of just like slang from 1969. It was like the coolest guy they could have interviewed at that time. So, oh, uh, yes. Old fashioned slang is so much fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that is part of the quality of his voice. I think that's why you're getting some of that like authenticity. Is he is just like a big dumb nerd who wants to be the things that he <laughs> listens to <laughs> and succeeded. Pretty well. And he succeeded. It's so crazy. I mean, we keep like repeating it, but yeah. that is insane, yeah. right? It's like it's an impressive thing to do. It doesn't work for ninety nine percent of people. Yeah, I guess maybe there's got to be something else there. Like you got to have the drive, but I guess probably some genetics. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, he's also voice, a good but, singer. Like, yeah. but, and I guess in nineteen sixty nine, you know, it's like people didn't know who you were, right? These days, everybody can find True, you. you. Can there's the a voice, thousand but, clips of you online. Yeah, but, there's no videos. So yeah, it helps you out a bit in the start there, maybe. Um, but there's not a whole lot else going on in this verse, you know. Uh, the the guitar keeps being smooth. Yeah, it's kind of pretty even much when it. we we hit like some like end of line stuff, like in the refrain, it's still like the smoothest little licks you'll ever hear. Yeah, very repetitive. Um. What is going on in that refrain? I mean, just a little fill in, you know, you get some symbols. It's all still pretty restrained, though, you know? Yeah, it's you still get that rhythm guitar. Yeah. The drums are pretty much the same. It's like, yeah, you get, like, a lick at the end of the refrain. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right at the end. And, like, to lead into the next section, kind of. Yeah. Um, which, I guess, there's your, your change up a bit. But, like... I don't know. I maybe it's just because I've known the song for so long, but it's another one where it just feels like all the pieces are like fit together so well. Well, yeah, I would I would argue there's also not that many pieces. That's it's true. Pretty, That's true. Pretty easy puzzle um, to solve. Um, the next like big thing is uh the guitar solo, right? Yeah, I think so. Because the like, other sections just kind of continue as as before. Yeah, the guitar solo. Is uh, Fogarty doing his best, uh, Steve? Steve, somebody impersonation from Booker T and the MGs. Okay, Steve, Steve Cropper of the MGs, the guitarist from that group. So he he says that that's him trying to do his best impersonation there. And yeah, real that's, smooth sound on it. Yeah, I mean it it. it fits in with the rest of the song so well. Just like uh, it doesn't feel like he's changing everything up to sound like another person right no 
it's playing even with like that rhythm section. It does a little bit of that. Like it's, it's building off of what very simple rhythm guitar there is. Yeah, I guess it does. It all kind of stays pretty rhythmic in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Like compared to, I mean, so many guitar solos are about fast playing. Yeah, about like really cutting through and like being like, check this out. Things are getting crazy. Yeah, and this is more like we're gonna keep doing more or less the same thing, but it's gonna be a little different. Yeah, it's like what if we take a break from singing for a minute? And you're like, yeah. oh, cool, right on. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of like flows back into. After it does like a bit of the, it has like a rising section. Yeah. And then just back into the did it, did it, it. Yeah. And then it's boom back. And then, yeah, the next thing is the fade out. And then it's, that's it, dog. Three minutes and seven seconds about rolling down the river. Yeah, it's not uh, that long, which I guess I didn't expect it to be, but it's almost it almost follows uh, entertainer rule. Almost, it's two seconds. Two seconds too, too, too long. long. It might even skate in, depending on how uh, depending on how strict your judge is there. Yeah, and if the yeah, because you could you could cut this two seconds early. You, you could, could really cut, cut it at three o two. There is when it really like fully fades out. I'll let it in. Me as the judge, I'll let it in. Yeah, it's. The, those two seconds are completely silent. So, yeah, it works. It works. Um, but that's really it for this song, man. It's, we've talked about it. There's no music video. No, I, I didn't even look. Of course not. It's 1969. Yeah. Uh, they weren't even popular yet. No, why would they have a music video? The music video would just be shots of a riverboat. Yeah. Queen. Just steal images of somebody's trip on a riverboat. <laughs> Did they have Polaroids back then? They po- probably, right? Yeah, surely. Yeah. They, ha- they had some form of camera equipment. Yeah, I guess they would have had access to cameras. Um, yeah, anyway, that's it. Yeah, it's just so... It's so soft and easygoing. Yeah, it's, it's wild to me how like little there is going on, but how... like. Yeah, soft, easygoing, perfect. Like how much character it has. Yeah, it just that. like creates the whole mood. Yeah, dog. I don't know. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, they might not have had cameras in 1969, but they did have vocal ensembles who then in the year 1970 recorded this song. And we're talking about Voices of East Harlem. Yes, we are. Where's my notes? Here they are. Where the fuck are your notes? So let me tell you about Voices of East Harlem. Yeah, tell me about Tell me about Community them. Initiative, founded in 1969. Um, they were an ensemble of 20 singers aged between 12 and 21. Uh, weird. A weird distinction. But they also only lasted until 1974, I guess. They recorded albums for some reason. And on one of those albums, their first one here, they have a cover of Proud Mary. Yeah, this cover of Proud Mary specifically. Um, yes, and this Which features a lot of cheering. It does feature a lot of cheering. It's like much more upbeat, pretty exciting. I would yes. say. Yes, 
you get like a kind of funk rhythm with some hand drums. Yeah. Get that guitar going. Um, yeah. Yeah, ton of drums. Kit drums, hand drums. Um, you really hear those hand drums in the verses, and I think the intro as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it comes in with just like a bunch of really excited sounding people. Um, mm-hmm. Just being like excited, and, and, and that, that rhythm's going on the guitar. Um, and the bass on this song is oh, we got a groove going on that bass. So fast, playing so fast, but it's like yeah, yeah real, real groove happening. He's whipping around. It's pretty sick. Um, um yeah. we got the vocal works of some guy. Yeah, no There's, idea who that is. No idea who that is. Um, they make some weird lyric changes. Yeah, this um, one he, I noted, but but I'm curious. It's not that okay. Weird. He, I, it's. Yeah, it's so he never loses, never wastes one minute of sleep thinking about the way that I have been. Yeah, it seems to change some of the like, like the the lyrics for possibly rhythmic reasons, and I don't necessarily know why. I feel like it wasn't totally necessary. Yeah, if because that one to me stuck out like a sore thumb because it is not rhythmically aligned with the song. The way that I have been. <laughs> and no. uh, the other one I noticed, which is similar, like, awkward, is you don't have to worry. Hey, about money. Hey, about money. Okay, that one I understand is, like, inserting, but it also doesn't seem like it fits in. It sounds yeah. like it is, like, you're right, like, they're trying to fix the meter, but it also, they didn't fix the meter. And, like, I didn't think it was broken? <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 so the da, other da, weird da, ones da, da, they do. Maybe it was too fast. Yeah. Because, like, I know we've talked about versions of songs that speed it up, and it's like, and if it's a fast passage, it's like, it sounds like they're falling behind a bit. Right. Um, so, so, so I wonder if that was that. an issue and they wanted to keep, you know, keep it a bit more laid back sounding, even with the speed. Right. Um, and so you're picking a word like hey to emphasize. But I feel like it wouldn't be that fast, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it just, if you're giving yourself more syllables in a fast passage, it's now you're just, you've got more work to get through. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what you've missed here, Alex, is the second verse where he says, seen a lot of places in Memphis, <laughs> hustled on a plane to New Orleans. You might need to tame for that plane. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no mentions of tain or pain. Or pain. No tain, no pain. Uh, no gain, that's for damn sure. Okay. Yeah, strange lyrical choices that are definitely different. Um, maybe like, just trying to update it. I don't know. Maybe they just don't want it to be as, or they're trying to make it more urban sounding in the non-rural parts. Yeah, it's just like, why can't we talk about work? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm confused. I don't know. Maybe they're just all young, so they're like, why would we talk about work? Right, they're all ages 12 to 21. None of them have cleaned plates or pumped tain, pain, <laughs> or sure otherwise. Probably have. Some of them were pumping Tane all day. Some of them were pumping Tane. You know there's some big Tane bumpers out in East Harlem. Uh, Tane capital of the United States. Tane capital of the United States. That's right, baby. Um, Uh, Yes. So that's, vocally, that's what's weird to me. And like like we've mentioned, it makes for some weird rhythmic disjointery. But let's face it, there's... You got a whole choir together here, a whole vocal ensemble. We're here for the chorus. This song yeah. was in some ways built for the chorus, the refrain, whatever you want to call Absolutely. it. Absolutely. 
And that's what we get here. Is Ugh, big I like to call hook, actually. You like to call, get out. I was the only <laughs> one who wouldn't accept. <laughs> um, yes. So the hook here. <laughs> um, yeah, because when everyone joins in, right? It's great. There's so many yeah. background noises. And most of the time, they're like doing shouting and party noises. But then yes. they're like, yeah, they join in. And they sing echoes of the lines and stuff. Um, and that's a pretty cool sound. Especially like the the topic of the song being so much about or to me it seems to be about like going to how do i say this um the idea of singing communally and like in it strikes me as more of the like the rural side of the song right because if I'm picturing like a high society thing, it's all very proper, and you know people yes. are joining in, right? But if everyone's joining in, it feels it feels, or perhaps there's an implication of lower class. Hmm. I think also, and it's like we're two white dudes discussing the song made by a white <laughs> dude inspired by black people, so it's yeah. like it feels weird to say, but like it is very clearly like this music lends itself to the black gospel choir style of performance here, which is some of what we're getting in this version. Just because of the, like the boomerang effect of like was inspired by. So obviously yeah. fits with, and also fits in with that mythical South. That is what, uh, what, CCR, what John Fogarty is trying to describe and get at here. Yeah. So it like all the puzzle pieces slot together and the root is, you know, it comes from black people. It's yeah. <laughs> That's what happens here. If you got no black people, you got no John Fogarty songs. That's the truth of it. That's, yeah, that's the truth. And that's even like, I think there's a quote from Tina Turner where she says something like, uh, she says something about, let's see here. Maybe I've got it. Maybe I don't. But she's like, what if we made this song black? Hang on. Here we go. And we just, so she talks about playing it with her piece of shit. A former husband, Ike Turner, she says, so in the car, Ike plays the guitar, we just sort of jam, and we just sort of broke into the black version of it, she calls it. Right. So it's like, like that version kind of exists, I think, just by right of its origin process of like how Fogarty was inspired by his music. And so we're seeing another version of that here. Another quote-unquote black version of it. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, that communal sense, that gospel choir sense, yeah, it's all here and it's it functions. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. It's cool to see like to to hear this like su- just such an energetic version of it. Yeah, and cuz yeah, you get the the bassy voice doing you know, like run the main lines and then you get these this massive choir, you know, the other 19 people mm-hmm. doing the big wheel keep on turning much higher up probably keep on burning rolling 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 down the river it's yeah it's huge and it's energetic because you hear this fucking bass ripping up and down the fretboard that is also a very cool uh, part of it yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of green and the hand drums going like the energy is just everything's going like on high here man yeah yeah uh very so very different feel but still still kind of fits the the mood yeah, the, the CCR version tries to, like, it plays it low-key, and it's like, buddy, the simplicity of life on the river is truly sublime. Whereas this one is like, it's very exciting to live on the river. It's, yeah. it's quite energetic and, and freeing. Here's here's the feeling of living on the living river. Living on the river and, like, sharing this this lifestyle with other people. Yeah, this communal lifestyle. Um, But all that to say, like, once you've established those elements, you've, you've figured out what's going on in this cover. Much like the original, there's not a lot of like huge change ups. Right. That's true. I'd say that's true of a lot of them, but there's 
a, a wrench in that system, and we'll get to it. Yes. Um, is that the next one? Um, let's talk about it. Sure, let's talk about the year 1971 when Athenians of Toronto were covering this. Yeah, um, a band who was not around for that long, but they are from Toronto and they are Greek. Um, or they, they met in Toronto, at least. Yes. In Canada. Toronto, Canada. Um, yeah. So Toronto, they're like, Ontario. They're like a, a group of these like Greek-Canadian uh, guys who like perform, I think, mostly in Greek, because this song is in Greek. Yes, so this was a full album of Greek-language covers. Yeah, I think there were a few originals on there, but it was mostly covers. Now, what I read online was that it was all covers, Alex. Okay. That was from some dude who said that this album was the greatest fucking thing of all time. <laughs> he was like, this album, if they, there was like only 100 copies of it. This was from CitizenFreak.com, Alex. Okay. Um, I did see an interview. Oh, did you? Uh, with them on PsychedelicBabyMag.com. Okay, well, this guy calls it probably the best Canadian cover tune album of all time. Certainly his favorite. He also goes on to call it definitely the best non-Anglo-Franco album recorded by Canadians in Canada. A very specific... Yeah, that's, that's real specific. Um, interesting. So not English or French, and it is Canadian. I mean, I know of one Iranian artist who I think is based in Canada. Okay. But anyway... This guy also makes the bold claim, though, that Greece could pay off its debts if they sold a few copies. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Uh, though he, he puts the value of the original title at a mere $300. <laughs> that, uh, that sounds right. Yeah. He maybe doesn't have a grasp I'm on I'm not an economist, but I think that sounds right. Um, but yeah, so these guys do, uh, it's funk rock, so you get kind of a plussed up version of the instrumentals from the... E, the Voices of East Harlem version with the Greek language vocals. Yeah, and a bunch of horns. Yes. Um, I was reading this interview, and they were talking about how they were very inspired by Chicago. Yes, I can so, see that they have so some they, Chicago covers here. Yep, they like those horns. Love them horns. Um, but yeah, it's it's another like super up-tempo version. Uh, a lot of brass flourishes with those horns, uh, particularly on the intro, and then they come yeah. back like in the refrain. Um, section and they do a lot of like trade off between the vocals and the horns. Yeah, and of course you got another funky ass bass going. Oh this yeah, one. also the super fast runs, bass line, laying it down. Yeah, and this an organ one... ripping through. Yes, there's an organ. Um, this one more I think than the previous ones really leaves behind the smoothness. Yes. Um. Just, just a note. Because it's a bit of, it's, it's, I, I saw them called funk rock. So you do get that like rock roughness here, rock. particularly in the vocal. The, the horns too are like, they're not blaring for comfort. They're blaring for energy. <laughs> True. Like. Yeah. They are flourishes. Yes. I, I called them anyway. Um, they are flourishing. So, and so like, Alex, big question here. Yeah. Do they call it pain or tain? 
<laughs> did you uh, did you happen to hear? No, I, I, I don't have that on me. Yeah, what is the the shortened version of of these fuels in Greek? In Greek, yeah. Uh, um, also, they... not what I thought Greek would sound like. No, yeah, I guess I don't have a concept of what spoken Greek sounds like either. Do you think if you played this, you went back in time and played this for Socrates, he'd be like, mm, yeah, this is good stuff. <laughs> so he'd be like, oh, damn. Funky. He'd be like, where the fuck is Mississippi? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Although, if you, when you said Memphis, you'd be like, oh, damn, like in Egypt. Be like, oh, um, yeah. I don't know if Memphis exists. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, oh, they have a New Orleans? <laughs> That's crazy. I haven't even been to the old one yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this would have been huge for Socrates, I think. Yeah, big Socrates hit. Um, Yeah, huge energy on this. Big horn flourishes, uh, funky-ass instruments. This version rocked a lot. I was ready for this to just be a, a Greek-language novelty, and I think it actually it brings the heat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um... Guitar solo. Question. Is it just a sped up version of the original guitar solo? It seems like there's similar points it touches on at least, but I couldn't quite figure out if it was the same. Um, It's very simple. Yeah, the end is definitely the same. When it does the like kind of climb up. If not exact and sped up, it is closely inspired yeah. by. Yeah, there's a lot of similar things going on. Anyway, just curious if you if you happen to notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um the, the horns stick around after the first refrain. They mm-hmm. they come in on verse two and stay for for more flourishing action. As they do, bless some, flourishes. Some s- slick drum fills there too. A little. There's a lot of those, eh? Yeah. I mean, just the speed of it kind of lends itself to like, oh, let's go to the next second. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's instrumentally impressive. It's uh, I can't really comment as to the translation, but like it sounds cool. Sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, sounds pretty tight. Um, yeah. So another cool version. Um, also similar. We haven't really switched up the the structure of the song. No, um, it's still in that, still falling this that one, tight and then idea. Voices of East Harlem kind of do it very similarly, even though yeah. they're both quite a bit faster. That's right. Yeah, we speed it up, but we're not really changing things around. Um, we're not, you know, going from, say, like, nice and easy to nice and rough. Yeah, for example. Just for use example, a random example. Just, uh, just a random example of a thing that could happen. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about one where that does happen. Tina Turner in 1988. They will keep on turning. Yeah, I think this version's from 93. Uh, that's what I think what I found in my research as yeah. well, is that it is a 93 re-record for a... For a movie. Zero, for a movie, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, now, this is a bit crazy because... It? Yeah, is it a biopic or is it a doc? Uh, it's a biopic. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Tina Turner was played by... Uh, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Uh, oh, my gosh. I can't find it. Panic, panic, panic. Panic, Alex. Just fucking lose your shit. Just lose your fucking shit. Um, Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett did uh, the thing. Plays yeah. Tina Turner in this movie. Um, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne is also in this movie. Oh, hell yeah. Is he 
I believe Ike? he's Ike. Okay. Ike Turner in this movie. And he's Ike Turner in this recording as well. <laughs> You're just going to say Andy's Ike Turner. He's Ike <laughs> Turner in real life. Um, the, so the Ike and Tina Turner, we mentioned it. Yes. Already, but it came out back in like 70, 71. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of that. We're, Tina so Turner was, recently yeah. passed away. Rest, Rest in, peace. in peace, Tina Turner. Um, Listen to our private dancer episode as well. Yeah. So we wanted to talk about a song of hers, and this was a perfect opportunity uh, yeah. to talk about a cover she did and a pretty significant one. Um, yeah, this is a signature Tina Turner song. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we also we, we decided to use a, a solo Tina Turner version instead of the group. The Instead of the Ike and Tina Turner, to, to, to exclude Ike because he yeah. is a bad bad yeah, man. Yeah, because we want to talk about Tina Turner, not but not Ike first, Turner. Alex. There is a quote I found here, and it is too good not to discuss. Yeah, throw it at me. The first time Fogarty heard Ike and Tina's version, he was in the car. He told Spinner, "Quote: When it ended, they had a camera and came back to me. It'd be like when Shrek and the donkey go to far, far away, and they push the button for that little arcade machine, and it tells the whole story of their town. And the donkey's like, and here we have square brackets that says, Eddie Murphy impression. Let's do that again. <laughs> That's how I felt when that ended. I loved it, and I was so honored. I was like, wow, I can Tina. So... Uh, Locked when is this quote from? It had to have been around the time Shrek. It would have came to be because that's a Shrek two scene. Is uh, I think it's a Shrek one scene. Far, far away is in Shrek two. Is no, it you're not? right. Well, because I, hmm, I thought. Oh no, you're right. One, it they is Shrek one. Because it's the Lord and the one where they wipe their butts place. or whatever. It's the little yeah. yeah. He says, "Let's do that." You're right. It's Shrek one. So that's what two thousand one. Yeah, around definitely that like close enough to it. <laughs> close enough to it. Um, I'm mostly devastated that there is not audio accompaniment because I, <laughs> yeah. I need to hear John Fogarty's John, impression of Eddie, of Eddie Murphy, Murphy playing the role of Donkey. I mean, I, I feel like I used to do that often enough. Like, we used to quote that movie so much. That, oh, yeah. And, yeah. It was, it was a language unto itself. Absolutely. Um, I'm just glad John Fogarty did the same thing. Yes. <laughs> I, I like that. He, the people were like, what would you think of Ike and Tina's version? He was like, well, here's the best way to describe it. He was comparing it to hit film Shrek. Shrek. He's wow. Like, I felt like the donkey. He doesn't even call the character just donkey. It's the donkey, <laughs> which is also great. Oh, man. Oh, wonderful. Fantastic. But yeah, that version hit number four on the Billboard Hot 100, won a Grammy Award for Best R&B Vocal Performance by a group in 1972. Um, it was, yeah, it was a big deal. Big Tina Turner signature. Now, yep. of course, uh, Tina Turner uh, was abused by Ike Turner. Ike Turner, known piece of shit. So then we come to 1993, they're making this Tina Turner biopic, and they're like, well, why don't we re-record the song? Because I think Ike also didn't have the rights to the song. I don't know. There was some there was some weird rights things. So they're just like, well, Tina Turner will re-record it, and we will get it. So you're telling me it's Lawrence Fishburne doing the low parts on this? Yeah, as far as I can tell, um, he's credited. I think. Okay, um, I think I thought I read that it was her saxophonist. Lawrence Fishburne, spoken vocals eight and ten, and track eight is Proud Mary. So he's on it for sure. With the spoken vocals. With the spoken vocals. Now, I was looking for backing vocals, and no one else is, I think, credited for backing vocals. Hmm. Uh, for track eight. For track eight. Okay. Okay. Alex, Alex. Okay. okay. But this is just the Wikipedia page. It could be wrong. 
could be wrong. It could what be did wrong. You, What did you read? I read, and now I'm trying to remember where I read it. That <laughs> there was a uh, that it was whoever played saxophone with Tim Capello. Was it Tim Capello? I've seen love him a good Tim Capello saxophone on a lot of the tracks. It could be. Let me see. It might have been on Song Facts because he's also backing cool. vocals on. Oh no, here it is. Bass vocals on eight. No, you're right. There you go. So right. I imagine they Tim. probably use some what like some in movie lines or something, and yeah, and Fishburne says those. Yeah, anything that's not like singing. Yeah. Yeah, which because they took the I'm gonna say the Bollywood approach and didn't make the actors sing. Uh, yeah, I would say that that probably <laughs> makes sense. Although I would be curious. Um, yeah, it says it was lip synced by Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. On the recording, Tina Sax player Tim Capello did Ike's bass vocals. There you go. Uh, by recording her own version with no trace of Ike, it made sure he could not profit from its use in the film or soundtrack. An important distinction considering the spousal abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so this is it's, this is a cover of a version we're not talking about, which is a little strange, but it is close enough to it that it's. I think fine enough yeah, to talk about it. It's as definitely the like the same, more or less. And perhaps the most famous part is this uh, spoken introduction she gives, yep. which I, of course, referenced a couple times now. She says, you know, every now and then I think you might like to hear something from us nice and easy. But there's just one thing. You see, we never, ever do nothing nice and easy. We always do it nice and rough. So we're going to take the beginning of this song and do it easy. Then we're going to do the finish rough. This is the way we do Proud Mary. And we're rolling, rolling, rolling on the river. Listen to the story. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a fun intro uh, where you just like describe what you're about to do and then you do it. It's like calling your shot, right? Yeah, and this like intro is so ingrained into this version of the song that I watched like a 2009 live performance she did, and she still does the bit, and she like dragged it out for like a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, yeah, it's it's part of it. I mean, and there's a ton of live versions of this, like this one she did with Cher and Elton John. Um, There's just yeah, like just. Like, look it up on YouTube or something. There's a bunch. One with... Oh, this is honoring Tina Turner. Oh, five, though. Anyway, yeah. ton of versions of this. Live versions. Now, I was going to ask you, Alex, do you think Andre 3000 got his idea for the Hey Ya spoken bit from this? For... Is it because she like lets you know what's gonna happen? He's like, well, I'm gonna have, don't I'm gonna break this down for you. In just a few <laughs> <Yeah. minutes>. <laughs> same <laughs> idea. This thing down for nothing. Oh, yeah, same maybe, idea. Same maybe. idea. Maybe. Uh, but we get that. So she does the intro, and we get the bassy voice going. Good job, city. Yeah, which was originally the Ike part. Yes. Um, but now it's Tim. Tim Capella. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Tim. Um, and then we, so imagine if we did like a kind of CCR version, very slow, easy in the first half, nice and easy, we could call it. And then you yeah. do like, uh, voices of East Harlem or Athenians of Toronto version in the back half. That's yeah. Tina Turner's version. Yeah. It's cool. It combines the two. Now at the time, I believe both of those groups would have had the original version of this one as yes. reference. Yeah. I, th- I believe they would. So they, even though they're not really a cover cause they don't do of this Maybe they could probably be inspired they, they, by it. They would have had access to it, yeah. yeah, and been inspired by the energy on the back half. And it's been like, let's just do that. Um, but, I mean, it is a cool version, especially, like, he, there's some cool harmonies at, at the start, right? Because you said, like, this is super low bass vocals um, as as Tina Turner is kind of singing lead while you're getting those harmonies and the low, low, low down. And that's super cool. It's a, it's a cool, like, counter point or whatever you would call that 
yeah, it it plays really where she's singing up higher, and it's it it's yeah, it's great vocal harmonies. It's something you don't see really that often. Yeah, they kind of it's often. like they're doing both doing their own thing, but they're both kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, it's got this this air of like they're just sort of messing around a little bit. Yeah, it brings that like ease, that casualness. Yeah, it's not like tight harmonies or anything. Vibe. Yeah, but they are singing together. And of course, backed by a big organ that comes in. Yeah, as, mostly as like droning though, right? Yeah. Um, there's some electric guitar too. I think you mentioned. Did you mention playing little? Licks? I believe it. Just doing that rhythm, right? Oh, electric guitar doing the licks, licks though, as well. Yeah. But like they're they're pretty subtle at this point. Yeah, this little bluesy licks. Trying to find it now. It's there, I'm sure. It is there. Um, you hear it more in like around 125. You'll hear it doing more licks in the yeah. refrain. You know, all all very rhythmic. Yeah. And then, I mean, we get some backup singers in at this point too. Yes. You know, it's but pretty, pretty soon at, at 2:34, we go into rough mode. That's right. Hang uh, on. First, we, we should mention that this is our oh. first incidence of pumped a lot of tain. Oh yes, very important. We we managed to generate nude tain right here <laughs> in 1993. In 1993, this is where it started. Oh, fun fact about this album: this was on the soundtrack. Uh, came out <laughs> one day before I was born. Wow. So I've never lived in a world without this album existing. That's crazy, um, Alex. But you have. I have. I've I've experienced that life, and I'm all the different for it. <laughs> it was a different time back then. It's a different time, Those first man. few months. <laughs> uh, um. So this album is almost thirty years old. Almost. Not to out you for being an old bitch, but <laughs> <laughs> an old bitch. That's what I identify as. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh. But yes. Okay. So this is a thirty-year-old album. They say Tane on it. Um and yeah, you said two forty eight. We we jump up. Uh, yeah, about two forty. Two thirty four was the time I have. Yeah, that's right. Pretty. I mean, not exactly halfway, but you know, pretty close. Pretty close to it. So yeah, big horns come in. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the huge change, right? Yeah. The speed speeds up. Big horns. It's that like classic like. Up tempo yeah. blues vocal delivery. After good job in the city. It's that's classic. Oh yeah. Good stuff. Um still organ, lots of like doo 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 doos. There's another like bit they do. Uh, oh, the, where, where they, they do say the, river and then they go do 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 Yeah, the like the the backbeat doos. Yeah. Yeah. Um which is gonna come up in the future. It will, yes. So that is an element people pick up on. That's the one. Yeah. So this is also an exciting version. I mean, it's a bit yeah, out of time because we already talked about other ones that would have been inspired by kind of this version. Um, but yeah, it's got that excitement that we talked yeah. about in the last two for sure. And it's for also sure. got the laid back. So it's kind of got both. And it, it's it got works because they both work. They work together. Yeah, it's it's just like telling the story twice, and that's all she does. She basically just does the song twice. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's it's not twice as long, but like it's, it's it, just about you know it's yeah. it's yeah, an extra two and a half minutes on there. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to hear about her pump and tane again, which is great. <laughs> it's always great. 
Um, um, and you get more of her like kind of screaming vocals, you know? Oh, She's absolutely. A, she goes wild by the end of this. She gets yeah, absolutely wild. Um, yeah, great. It's a classic. People know this one. Absolutely. It's, yeah, and, and it I is mean, a version that makes you like you're like, well, no way, this is a CCR song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, definitely could convince you. Uh, as I probably at one point thought I heard this, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this was a cover, and then it wasn't. Yeah, you're like weird that CCR is covering Tina Turner. Yeah. Um, the I just mentioned this for the other one, so I'll mention it for this. Um, sure. Talked about the structure. The structure does not change much for those first two. It actually doesn't change much for this one either. Mm-hmm. Other than it kind of does because like it's got its own intro. Uh, spoken word intro and then runs through the song twice but those two yeah. run throughs are still about the same thing yeah um, uh, we do get the addition of the river dude 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 section we get those <laughs> and there's yeah. no like solo so it, it's a reasonably significant change yeah it's definitely the boldest reimagining so far yeah absolutely so pretty cool pretty smooth pretty rough yeah uh, i would say it's definitely nice nice and easy and nice and rough she's nice always and easy nice and nice and rough yeah Good stuff. Way to go, Tina Turner. Yeah, dog. Featuring Great song. Tim. Featuring Tim Capello. Capello. Um, but not featuring Bo Katzman Core or Chore, perhaps, in 2007. Yeah, I honestly thought it said choir at first. Until, yeah, I thought like, so too. Late in the process, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll put a choir version on." But this is not a choir version. But there is a choir on this version. Yeah, but like no, no <laughs> but more it, than any of the other versions have, like backup singers, you know. And very specifically, Bill Casman Core is a Swiss musician, singer, choir conductor, vocal coach, producer, and oh, composer. Guess, yeah, he is a lot of things. Um, so he, a, he brought uh, in a choir guy. for this. <laughs> That's he's very, apparently very popular as well. He mentions that in his, sure. on his website. He's like, a lot of people have heard me. And they're like, cool, Bo Katzman. I guess, I guess that includes me now. Yeah, I'm part of the Bo Katzman fan club. Sign me up. Bo Katzman. Um, and this is a Tina Turner cover. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, I was looking at some of this guy's material, Bo mm-hmm. Katzman. Um, Which he just seems to go as Bo Katzman in most of his material. Do you think maybe core is like Swiss for choir? Whatever it Swiss might be, language they speak. It would be German. It Dutch, would, German. Uh, in his case, I think Switzerland is usually like kind of Dutch or French. No, I'm thinking of, or I mean, I mean German or French. So now I think I'm thinking of Belgium. Anyway, I, I, all the material seems to be in German. Um, okay, so he speaks the German. I think so. Yeah, um, core is choir in German. So. There you go. So it is choir. All right. It doesn't feel like that to me, but I guess that's because it's mostly him and they're just like backup singers. Yeah. Um, mostly him and this kick in harmonica to start things. And up. the harmonica is a cool is a cool addition. I mean, it's yeah. very like we talk about um, like Central European artists who do like country music, and they yeah. often have a very like fundamental take on it in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah, like it's they like, have, like they know all the all the elements. And they're like, let's just put them in. Let's slide guitar, harmonica. Let's 
get yeah, twangy. Like, God, how let's get a little twang in here. Like, yeah, so they really set this that? up as like a country cover to start. Yeah, There's cowbell. <laughs> um. Yeah, and it feels definitely more country. I mean, it's also definitely got that like pop sheen to it. Mm, for sure. Um, that generally turns me off a bit, including in this version. Um, yeah, it is like a little too sanded off, right? Yeah, that was kind of my like, like it's it's he does the he does the easy and rough sections, of course. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't feel as rough this time. Uh. He also has a, another singer who yes. I didn't I couldn't find a credit, but I know he sometimes sings with his daughter. So could could be his daughter. Could be his daughter. Uh, it might have been too early cuz this is 07, so I'm not sure, but yeah. There's but a you, there's a female singer on this track as well. And you need it if you're doing the Tina Turner version cuz you can't Absolutely. just have the rolling rolling <laughs> rolling down the river. Yeah, so ha- yeah, I don't. It would. It would not. It would not work. Like, I guess it could be both him, but it would be weird. Um, but uh, he, um, the way they, the way he does it is they kind of trade off at first. Like at first, he takes the background, yeah, and lets her take lead. And then when they get to the rough section, he takes the lead. And the rough section comes a minute and forty four seconds in on a five and a half minute track. So yeah, is that earlier? Yeah, because it's two thirty. Yeah. Oh right, two thirty. I said it just. It's about half and a half on the Tina Turner version, whereas this, it's about twenty eighty. He's like, I want this to be about me. Yeah. Which, like, fair enough. His name's on the album. I and and the choir and the choir. Yeah. Um. Oh, later on they do kind of duet, like they they start to sing. Yeah, they do. More. Um. It is a little odd though. Like you mentioned, how it was. Like, it gets into the fast part earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the, fa- the the rough part is still slower. And yeah. for some reason, the, they, they do that, like, backbeat do-do-do's, the river do-do-do. Yeah. Something about it being slower just was very, like, weird and, like, lethargic to me. Yeah, I, I and it doesn't help why. that the, like, tone on everything is kind of flat, right? It's almost like nothing's emphasized. Like if you listen to the Athenians of Toronto, those horns sound mad and aggressive. Like they sound like they've got some edge to them. The horns on this do do rounded. Everything is sanded right off. Yeah, the choir is do 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 do. Yeah, it's it's feels a bit lacking in in that regard for sure. That's probably my my biggest issue with it, and it kind of permeates the whole thing. Yeah, slide guitar solos, all right. Yeah, slide guitar solo is not bad. I like the harmonica at the start. Yeah. Uh, he says, bet you're going to find some people who live, but it almost sounds like he says bitch. Oh, because of his accent? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, that's kind of my feelings about this one. I wasn't super crazy about it. It was kind of on the sterile side, but there's some some decent elements to it. Uh, yeah. He's obviously a pretty decent singer and involved in this stuff although if you go to his uh youtube channel he does have a song he does with his daughter called call me daddy which is okay he's canceled yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's just them singing about you know them being father and daughter yeah i would say if you look at like the amount of musical jobs he has he's 
He's a real jack of all trades type. He's a musician, singer, Musically, choir conductor, yeah. vocal coach, producer, and composer. It's like it's like he works in the field, but he's working everywhere in the field because he needs to. Oh, maybe. I, I don't think any one skill of his can stand on its own. Is my uh, my damning review after listening to one cover. This also, he calls cover. this one "Rolling on a River." Brackets, proud Mary. Yeah, that's. I mean, I wonder if not even the river. Just a river. river. Um, I wonder. I'm seeing now that most of the songs on this album have the word "river" in them. It's it's called Soul River. That's the name. So we got Soul River. We've got Rolling on a River. We got Deep River. We got Swanee River, and then we got There Is a River. We've got. We've got. Kind of loses the river theme. I'm looking on the second disc. (laughs) Yeah, nothing, dog. Doesn't even have River Dreams. Yes, I believe in dreams. River of Dream, and he's doing so like he's doing like Christian stuff on there. River of Dreams would be so perfect. Bill Katzman, get it together. I'm done with this guy. Let's talk about Chimeni Body in 2012. And we're Is that what do you think the pronunciation? I think it's Shimen because she's French. Shimen, Badi, but she's of Algerian descent. Yeah, well, that's where the probably last name comes from. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Okay, anyway. what do you know about Shimeni Badi? She's a body. Um. Anyway, she's uh, a body. She was on the French reality show Pop Stars, but she did not win. Yeah, she's been on some like reality shows, like talent competition things. She also tried to represent France, I believe, in in, uh, in Eurovision. Yeah, Eurovision, but was not selected. So like, she's been around. She's a she's a singer. She's an artist, but has never been like super popular. Yeah, she gets by. She gets by. Um, there's some good stuff in this version. I think so too. Yeah. Like, like a. Piano? No, there's a horn. Is it a trombone on this? Uh, yeah, brass. Yeah. I, I thought it was like a muted trumpet, but sometimes I like, mix that up yeah, with yeah. the trombone. Um, um, does the so at like eleven seconds you get that guy going rolling on the river? Yeah, does that sound like a David Bowie song to you, like a '90s one? Oh, yes. Maybe like Which fame one? or something. I don't know. It's 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 got a oh, tone to it that oh, is not boom. like it 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 smells familiar. You know, yeah, it sounds like, I'm like, uh, is there something on like black tie white noise? Black tie. You know what? It's got to be a black tie white noise one. Oh, Let me think about this. It. But like, it has that kind of quality to it. Brown. I feel free. Boom boom. No, it's not. I feel free. I don't know. It could be. I'm leaning towards jump, they say, or possibly night flight. A- yeah, that's like maybe. They say we'll have to find that later. But yeah, so it it gives me some some any song that gives me random David Bowie vibes tends to to rank a little higher. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's totally cool. Um, I, I mean, it's it's. Uh, another one that's based around the uh, Tina Turner version. Yeah. Um, so it's got kind of two halves to it, uh, but it definitely like goes a bit more jazzy, and it doesn't copy directly. Yeah. So like you said, like it does the low harmonies at the start, but it's not the same lines, right? 
Yeah, and it's more meant to like just accent certain moments rather than just being there throughout the verse. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's different enough. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Uh, and there's a cool like piano, piano part, riff. The piano part is yeah, it's got it's cool little like riff, like gr- kind of groove thing going yeah. on. Yeah, a nice little like jazzy feel to it. Kind of moves us along, but it's still yeah. fairly still fairly laid back sounding, especially when we're still going slow. Yeah, because like we the piano we use besides that riff is like pretty light. It's just some gentle notes, and you got like hand claps for the the percussion. Yes. Hand claps. So yeah, it, it it keeps it down, right? Yeah. Um. And then there is more trumpet, I believe. Yes. Oh, it, 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 it kind of introduces more throughout the 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 easy section. We'll say. Yeah. Rolling. Backup singers rolling. Yeah, so that kind of keeps that steady thing going. And then, of course, still fairly early, but the version is shorter overall. Yeah. Um, gets into the rough section. Yeah, we get our roughness going on. We cut loose with like, like a flute or something. I think there's flute there and then like some trumpets. So it's got that like that like run down you're talking about, right? Yeah. Diddle, diddle, diddle. Yeah, it, it feels very like 60s to me. I don't it makes, makes me think of some of the music in like Austin Powers. Oh yeah, look, it sounds like it could be the uh I can't like what the called. the Austin Powers track. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Um fuck, I forget it's, what it's called too. It's, um Quincy Jones. That's right. It's uh This is not good good audio. Quincy Jones. Uh Boss something Bossa Nova. Soul Bossa Nova. Soul Bossa Nova, that's the one, yeah. You're right. So we get a little Austin Powers Soul Bossa Nova vibe going. Yeah, little Soul Bossa Nova, um <laughs> the Austin Powers song. Uh Imagine writing a song. Yeah, imagine. Several decades later, it just <laughs> completely taken over by someone else. Yeah, it's not it's even a cornball. It's just they use yeah. your song, and it's now known as like the song from Thing. It's, can you uh, imagine if you're like 1962? You're Quincy Jones <laughs> holding the concert, and they're like, "Play the Austin Powers song." song. Oh man. <laughs> Everybody's dressed up in like blue suits with cravats. You're like, "Fuck this." <laughs> What am I even doing? <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, it's always cool. It's got some, it's got some cool sounds like that. Uh, and then you know they they bring in the like horns riff and stuff from the uh, Tina Turner version uh, later yeah. on. So like it's not crazy out there structurally, but I really like no. the style. There's a lot of cool yeah. sounds and cool stuff they do within that structure. Yeah, like they even play like a, a bass line that is just straight up like a blues standard. Like a surf rock boogie. <laughs> right. And they jam that. It sounds great. Like it's a good energy. It, it vibes with this sort of like the, she's got all of her elements correctly. Everything jives together well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool stuff. Way to go, Shimon. Maybe it's like a Tin Machine track? No, it couldn't be. I don't know. Oh, the backing <laughs> yeah, vocals we'll still it. got me. It does me. sound familiar. Oh, I think I might have... Wow, 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 wow. Is wow. It... Yeah, that's... That's that's Black Tie White Noise. Oh, yeah, that might be it. Because that's like a same... Almost like the same audio filter or something on it. Yeah, that's that low bassy. Anyway. 
Yeah, she does the doop 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 doops. She she does that guitar. It's fun. Yeah, it was a fun version. I enjoyed it. Yeah. But did I enjoy Deanne Matley featuring Oscar Utterstrom in 2013? Did you? I, I think so. Yeah, she's Canadian. Yeah, Gotta she's enjoy Canadian. that Canadian content. Uh, based in Montreal. I looked at her Facebook page, and she hasn't updated since uh, December of last year, which isn't that long. Uh, I guess maybe she's been busy, but all her updates from there are in Calgary, because she was like doing a bunch of shows in Calgary. Hey! She's like, visiting family in Calgary! So I was unclear if she's actually like from out here and just moved out east or what. Right. Well, she sings in English and French, so you can't know for sure. No, it's impossible to know. It's impossible to know. Um, and Oscar Uderstrom. Uderstrom? Oscar Yu is a Swedish freelance trombonist based in Nashville. Also a composer and arranger. There you go. So yeah, this one is like full jazz. Yeah, definitely. We've leaned entirely into jazz. Pretty reasonable jazz in that like they don't go into any like wild. Yeah, we're three and a half minutes. There's yeah. no like insane like soloing. Or crazy solos. It's not yeah, all this, solos or anything. This like is sensible jazz. Like it's like here is the the sound tones of jazz without any of the 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 excesses, <laughs> the yeah. bourgeoisie excess of jazz. <laughs> um, which is to say, like you know, you get the jazzy chords on the piano and like yeah actually i kind of like the drums. they got a nice little groove on i think it's like a djembe or something like that yeah there is some drum they're hitting that has a great sound to it yeah um yeah cool stuff this one muted trumpet as well has a little solo um you can definitely it also it keeps it pretty even uh, or consistent, I should say, throughout, um, in terms of like what's actually playing. But you can definitely tell if you jump around, like oh, they 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 play harder, you know. It does. Build. Oh yeah. Uh, but but it's like it's fairly subtle in that kind of jazzy way. Yeah, for sure, and it all it all leads to a beautiful trombone solo. It's a trombone. Trombonist. Yeah, he's a trombonist, so I have to assume it's a trombone. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I I always mix up trombone and trumpet. I feel like do they? Can you tell the difference? No, I can't. And it's yeah. they also both start with a tr, so my brain's like they're the same yeah, thing. Sa- same thing, bro. Same. Don't worry about it. They're the same. Same. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this one has a nice rhythm to it. It like like you said, it's kind of a gradual build that is subtle, but not not completely unnoticed. Mm-hmm. And she pumps pain, baby. Someone's gotta. Somebody's gotta pump pain these days. Yeah. So this one, it's pr- pretty decent. Yeah. yeah. It was. It was jazz that I could listen to without being mad. Reasonable jazz. Reasonable jazz. What a a brand new genre they've invented. Chilling and filling. Chilling and filling, dog. That's the name of this album. That's chilling and filling with pain, baby. Um, with pain. It does it for our covers, so now yeah. it's time for our final verdicts, Alex. We've got three categories today. The worst version, the best version, and the, the best version for boating season. It's, you know, it's summer. People are out on their boats, Alex. What do you, what do you need a blast from your ship this these summer months? 
from my uh, boat that I own. You own a boat. We on my on my lake that I also own. Any Calgarian worth his salt owns both a boat and a lake. And a lake somewhere in Saskatchewan. Alex, what's the worst version of this? What's the worst version of this? Uh, probably Bo Katzman. Um, it's just yeah. kind of too sterile. Uh, and, I mean, other than that, it was really just a pretty straight cover of, um, of that T- Ike and Tina Turner version. Yeah. Without much else going for it. In fact, I would say it is lesser because of the sterility. Yeah, it was like, it was just boring, forgettable unbalanced is just there's not a lot to it and it's yeah it's just a sterile version of the tina turner version so why would i want that i don't mm-hmm. where's for alex what's the best version though i feel like there's some good ones uh, i mean what do you mean alex <laughs> what do i good mean ones um i'm i'm gonna give it to shaman uh, but obviously, it owes a lot to the uh, Ike and Tina Turner version. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but that's that's where I'm throwing it. Uh, there's some cool sounds in it. I really liked uh, its sort of updated take or alternate take on that that version um, with little things that I would consider a bit jazzy, but also kind of interesting. Yeah, I like. I think there was a lot of cool elements to that version that blended together well. It made good use of the Tina Turner. Nice and easy to nice and rough like yep. style. Yeah. But I gotta give it to Tina Turner, I think, in terms of like taking a song and making it your own. She did the most and also clearly paved the way for a lot of versions that came after it. Hundred percent. And as much as I think the CCR version probably still is my favorite, uh yeah, Tina Turner's got the the doot 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 section, yeah, she's I, got the intro, it's it's iconic. Thing is, like the the mood of them are quite different. So like they both for have sure. their place for sure. Absolutely, yeah. They they two very different vibes. But Alex, the only vibe we care about is boating season. Boating season, oh yeah. Which ones are you gonna yacht rock this this summer? Uh, well, it turns out the the lake I own is actually the Mediterranean. Oh no, shit. Uh, or possibly the Adriatic. Uh, I'm not gonna worry about that too much. Uh, so I'm picking Athenians of Toronto. I don't know, but you know, Good choice. Uh, you, you're speeding around on water. You want to speed around with some some music blasting, and it's got to be exciting, and it's got to have horns in it. I think you're right, and also having the the Greek language, the foreign language, like bumps up the vacation <laughs> vibes of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, a hundred percent, and it's CanCon, Athenians of Toronto. So yeah. There you go. You got to have that, or else you're not going to get the government grant for your boat. How, how are you <laughs> yeah, going to pump pay into that thing if you don't have a government grant? I don't want to pay taxes. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, I agree. Athena's Toronto, boatiest version I've ever seen, heard, listened to. Uh, that does it for our final verdicts. You got a different opinion, similar opinion. Want to talk about a version we didn't talk about, of which there are many. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag CoverMePod, at Jake the Cressy, at some Alex Wise Guy. Send us your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions for future episodes. You can also email us at CoverMePod at gmail.com. Talk to us there. Be sure to rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting app. Um, another episode got taken off Spotify, though, last Damn. Christmas. Uh, rest in peace to that episode. You can no longer hear that on Spotify. Spotify has told me explicitly that they do delete the accounts of repeat offenders. Oh. Um, 
We're still not technically offenders. I'm still litigating these cases. Damn. <laughs> but, Alex, what's the over-under? Are we, we're so close to the five-year mark. Do you think we get taken off of Spotify before we hit five years? I mean, I guess being on Spotify is not the most important place. Like 60% uh, of our downloads come uh, from Spotify. Damn. <laughs> um, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. No, it isn't looking good, is it? Um, I'm going to say we're going to make it. We're going to make it to the end of 2023, but that's it. That's it? Okay. We'll so buckle in, Spotify listeners. Time to get a new podcasting app for us, your favorite podcasting app. Location. We're not your app. We're not an app. We're a podcasting <laughs> show. We're a podcast that you get on your podcasting app. Sure to tell your friends, neighbors, families about us. Let them know about our struggles, about our great stories that we tell here on this show. Um, what you can do also is, so in Japan, what they do for promotions is they have people handing out tissues, like oh. tissue paper, but it's got a little insert, a little picture in there, of whatever they're advertising. So if you could go ahead and like print off some pictures of us, of the podcast, slip that into some cheap tissue packages, like the little plastic ones, and just hand those around, you know, go to the train station, hand them out. That'd be great, everyone. You will not be reimbursed for any of this, but <laughs> my goodness, you'll feel good because it's charity work. Uh, and that does it for today's episode of Cover Me. And as we always say on Cover Me, big wheel, keep on turning. Cover me, keep on burning.